There we go. You know, I used to, I, I, when I started, I always had like the welcome to the neural network. Yeah. And then I realized, you know, everyone just skips by that, you know, they're just like, I don't care. Let me just jump into the meat of this thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's got to be natural, right? Like whatever, whatever is normal for you, you know? I know you can't just put on this big razzle dazzle and then go into neuroscience stuff. And they're like, what is this? Anyways, right. well, welcome to the neural network, John. Thanks, man. Thank John, you for having me. It's exciting. Is it Vout or Vote? Vout? Vote. John Vote of Vote. Rescue One yeah. CBD. An exciting episode talking about all things, I mean, a rather controversial topic oftentimes with CBD, which is, it's kind of weird that it's such a controversial topic because it's just a signaling molecule, you know, whenever it comes down to it. I think it's because it's got such a stigma, you know, around the whole THC thing and yeah. being wrapped up with being an active ingredient in uh in cannabis itself but right. in reality i mean it's not like it's not like it's a crazy drug <laughs> yeah i know we're not talking about heroin here you know it's like um it's it's a very interesting thing um but uh, the stigma is i think it's coming around a little bit you know i think people are starting to open up a bit more yeah especially uh i've noticed out in seattle it's like just sort of common in your uh, right. your natural pharmacy section everywhere. Right, right, yeah. It's just it's right next I'm to the to see adaptogens. Yeah, right, yeah. I'm hoping to see more of that. You know, um, but I do think that uh, it'll probably take some time, only because uh, you know CBD tends to come from hemp, and hemp has been entangled in marijuana, um, and a lot of people probably don't even realize the separation between the two happened legally, like in 2018. So. Some of the, some of the, um, I guess controversy is understandable, right? Like mm -hmm. we've kind of had this very long culture of, of, uh, anti-marijuana. I mean, I grew up, I'm 34, so I grew up, you know, during the dare, uh, <laughs> education in school, you know, and it's like that marijuana is a gateway drug, right? So, uh, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. Like I, I get it. I, I totally understand. I just want to see more of the education and have uh, the, the stigma kind of die off and just understand it a little bit better. Right. So what, what happened in, in 2018 with the whole hemp uh, thing? Um, great question. The, the farm bill um, gets introduced every, I can't remember the interval. I don't, I want to say it's not every year, but regardless, the farm bill has to be uh, re-signed and they update things like tech and legality. And, and one of the, one of the languages in there, um, uh, one of the sections for language in there defined cannabis, um, mm. you know, because there is uh, several acres, uh, several thousand acres of land in the United States dedicated to farming hemp, which was considered cannabis, you know, for the DEA, for research purposes, for industrial purposes. Mm. And um, so wait, it was government funded uh, farming. Yes. Oh, it interesting. Called, yeah. yeah. It was called the industrial hemp program. And um, before 2018, it was considered marijuana. So what they did in 2018 was they allowed huh. uh, anybody to grow it and you could grow it and extract any cannabinoid you want out of it um, for the purposes of consumption, for uh, growing hemp for, you know, you can make concrete out of it or fuel or whatever you'd like. And they basically just separated it from cannabis. Up until that point, um, cannabis sativa L, which is what hemp is with low THC was still considered marijuana. So now um, cannabis sativa L with low THC is no longer considered marijuana, it's considered hemp. Um, so all of the legality and the rules changed for that. You know, you could walk around with 
hemp flower in your hands and it looks exactly like marijuana or cannabis and it's not illegal. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So is that, is that, um, are there differences between the hemp that's, you know, that's used for rope or something like that versus that that's, you know, where THC and, and marijuana are derived out of, or is it the same damn thing? There's going to be, well, so it's, it's really interesting. Like, um, I, I could not point out the differences like physically, ah. uh, chemically they're very different, um, just from the amount of THC content. But I do know that, um, you know, most marijuana plants are a form of cannabis indica. Uh, that's when they, you know, the very high THC, um, uh, plants and species, and they, they may hybrid off of those. And, you know, I was they say, they're, they're bred for higher mm -hmm. THC content, aren't they? Yeah. And I mean, hemp is traditionally cannabis sativa, but you can breed sativa to have very high THC in it. And so, whereas you would have just called that hemp now, it's like considered marijuana. Um, it's really the THC content that makes the, the plant, you know, um, you could have cannabis indica bred all the THC out of it. I don't know why they would do that, but they can do that. Uh, yeah. and, and, and it would be, it's, it, it would be very, um, useful for other things, but definitely not getting high. <laughs> be like, it'd be like uh, NA beer. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just it's just to get the looks. Yeah. God, you gotta be like a botanist and then a pharmacist and then a yeah. scientist. Oh my God. I yeah. was, I was looking through some of the, the CBD literature just a little bit because I'm pretty naive when it comes to that. I mean, I, you know, I study how different things interact in the brain and sort of, you can kind of blank slate a lot of it and just take whatever chemical is coming in and then go from there, you know, mm -hmm. but trying to figure out where it's synthesized from and how it comes in and interacts is just like, Oh my God. But anyways, I was looking through it and, um, I was expecting a lot more of a straightforward type of answer for a lot of the questions that I was coming at, even, even as simple as what is the mechanism of action of the damn right. thing? You know, because I, I come from the world of, I study opioids, which mm -hmm. surprisingly, even though you would think opioid research and cannabis research, it would sort of be somewhat linked a little bit with just, you know, illicit substance type of research, but it's not mm -hmm. like we don't look at anything for CBD. Right. We just look at opioids, mu opioid receptors, Kappa, Delta, and then past that, it's like, I don't even know it exists. But then uh, I was looking at it and I just typed in CBD mechanism of action. And then I got this review paper that had all the different hypotheses of, of mechanism of action. And I went, oh, my God. It just made more at? questions, didn't it? Yeah, it yeah, did. Like there was nothing yeah. answered. I mean, there was some stuff answered. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't even realize in, in until this week, I will fully admit that I didn't realize that, like, for example, CBD is an antagonist of the CB or the cannabinoid receptors in the brain. Right. right. Like just that first pass, even with graduate education in neuroscience, you know, the first thing just based on how everything has been marketed, you know, up until this point where it's starting to become more legal, I thought, okay, it's a CB1 or CB2 receptor agonist and agonist, it should just, yeah. yeah, give the same effects as THC. And then I look and it goes, oh no, it's actually kind of the opposite. It, it blocks it for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because uh, that that and that's where like marketing comes in and and I would I would definitely say my biggest fear for for myself and the brand is that I'm like a victim of the Dunning Kruger effect. You know what I mean? Where yeah. like I'm I, I'm I'm worried that I'm like reading this stuff because I have no background in this. I have been studying this stuff for years, trying to 
like just to get through one paper, I would read like two sentences and then I'd have to go Google 15 things. And then I'd come back and I'm like, I don't know what any of this shit means. You know what I Don't worry, we do that too. So, <laughs> so I'm like just weighing over my head. My, my, my training medically comes, it stops at the paramedic level. So um, loose understanding of medical terminology and then zero understanding of how research papers work. You know, so I have to like read all this stuff and try to understand it. And I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm not, uh, reading this wrong or interpreting it wrong or making claims that, you know, because when I would read these things, I would see that there are, are bad studies out there, you know? And I think yeah. I'd sent you one, one time and you're like, Hey, that, that paper is kind of <laughs> sketchy. Uh, that's, that's like not a trusted, you know, article or, or, uh, or publisher, you know? So it, it was interesting, but you know, with all that marketing comes into play, like these guys put on their websites, like CBD, uh, binds to CB1 and CB2 receptor sites. I'm like, everything I've read, it's a, it's a, at best, a very weak agonist. And it just, um, helps stimulate some of the other endogenous cannabinoids that, that we have. That's the, 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 the beauty of it, but not, yeah, it's, um, I would have, yeah, I would like, guess the same thing. It's very interesting. It's like it, it, you know, it works as an antagonist to it, but yet it somehow, you know, also increases the concentration of, or the release of endogenous, which we can get into a little bit, but yeah, no, it's, it's crazy with the, the research and, you know, it's kind of eye opening when you look at a lot of the research papers, even just in general research, scientific research, you know, when you're trying to dive through the literature, I think sometimes it's, it's often misunderstood as to what is a good article, what is a bad article. And I think like, you know, the idea that there are predatory journals out there or things mm. that they're just trying to get papers published, you know, like every time you open up your inbox, for example, like every morning I get, you know, all of these emails that say greetings on the day, good professor, we would be, <laughs> you know, ecstatic if you would submit a manuscript to our, you know, space alien journal of respiratory neurophysiology <laughs> within the next three days for publication. And you're like, okay, I've never heard of your journal. I don't even know. This looks like an, an alien wrote it. So I guess that fits, but it's awesome. And it's yeah. And it's like, I take, it takes months to write an article and you want me to just like randomly get this email and submit a paper to you within the next three days. Wow. No, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, there's a lot of these journals that you can just sort of fast track through and uh, they're just looking to get publications out. And so you can somewhat slip some of those, you know, I don't want to say shoddy data type of, of projects, but if the results are unclear or perhaps mm -hmm. it's not interpreted well and you're like, ah, yeah, I got to get it out. Boom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, it pretty much bypasses for the most part. It doesn't bypass peer review, but for the most part, eh, it kind of bypasses peer review. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of the, where, where I was trying to really understand things is, is, um, trying to read through them and, 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 see what makes this reliable. And funny enough, like I thought there would be a lot more research on CBD when I was starting and things like sleep. Um, some of it is almost conflicting, you know, the way it, it talks about how it, uh, helps, um, it helps people get into REM sleep. And then some of it is, uh, wake promoting, you know, and you're like, I just read the same you know, uh, fr from the same research, uh, this, this thing actually makes you sleep worse, you know, and it, it's, it's really interesting. Cause then, you know, what I found really helpful, maybe it's just because I, I'm not, um, a, an expert is, uh, the meta analyses, you know, and I can go back yeah. and read what somebody else had taken. It's like, okay, we took 400 studies and we, you know, distilled it down. I'm like, 
that to me is extremely valuable, especially because, you know, I'm looking for patterns too, you know, and if things are generally pointing in the same direction, I think that makes me feel a lot better about where the future of the research will go. Cause obviously yeah. there needs to be a lot more. They're a pain to write though. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh God. I can't even imagine, man. Like um, we had, well, it was funny because we wrote a paper, uh, sort of a state of the field last year for opioids. Um, and and so we basically took all of the research into opioid overdose and put it all together and to say, you know, here's where we're at. Here's where we need to go. Here's where some of the directions are leading to at the moment. And we had something like 350 references or something like that. And, um, you know, we submitted wow. to a journal and it said, you need to cut that down to 99 references. I thought, like, oh, how are we man. supposed to give a, and, you know, so, so it's sort of this balance between, uh, I think it, it's, it's cool when you can find those really big review articles and that has like just this full breadth of everything that's been yeah. done and it's completely yeah. unbiased. And I've always told people like, if you're going to dive into a topic, jump into like, find a good review first. And that's going to give you all of the articles in there. Cause it'll cite it. It'll already do all of the Google searching for you. And if you find like a cool little line, like just click on the reference. It's there. It's all, there you go. And then just read the abstract of that paper. You don't have to like dive into everything. That makes me feel so much better because actually when I first, I was so being a firefighter in South Florida, when I had this really bad foot surgery and I had to be off work for a long time, I, uh, opiates, I was on Percocet for a while and it absolutely wrecked my sleep. Um, <laughs> when I stopped taking it, you know, and I was like, yeah. This is the freaking worst. And uh, I knew what my doctor was going to say if I went to him and said, I can't sleep. He's going to be like, all right, which one of these three sleeping medications do you want? Here's ambient for you. Good luck, man. I'm like, (laughs) ugh. And also, I have to be on shifts for 24 hours at a time. You know, like I don't want to have any lasting effects. Anyway, so I tried to do my own research and I was, I stumbled on this meta analysis on CBD um, about how uh, this is the pharmacokinetics. So it was like this big PK study. And it took, um, it said 492 um, studies and yeah. showed how they, you know, are affected uh, pharmacokinetically. And, and I was like blown away. I uh, I actually liked reading it. And I thought I was, I mean, maybe I was still high off the Percocet because I was like, why am I interested <laughs> in this? Like, this is... This oh, is, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but it was, it was, it was really cool. And I, I found, I went down a rabbit hole after that. There were all these references at the bottom. And that's actually how I started reading this stuff was because I saw meta-analysis. It was, it was what I assumed was a lot of studies over almost 500. And I started going down all these things of how it affected, um, inflammation and, um, like, like the, uh, uh, the oxidative stress side of inflammation and like, you know, um, how it affects anxiety and, and, uh, serotonin receptors and all this crazy stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, it, 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 it was cool, but I feel like whenever I would go down that, that rabbit hole, uh, maybe this is a case for a lot of people that read this stuff. Uh, it just like opened up more questions. I'm like, all right, it yeah. was kind of clear and then it was very unclear. And now I have more questions than I have answers, you know? Um, yeah. All my, uh, research mentors, coming up have always said that the best studies were the ones that just opened more questions than answered, mm. you know, and they kept All you right. in business. So, you know, <laughs> Very good. But how did you, so with the CBD, it was, was breaking your foot the way that you sort of got into the door or was it uh, something else that sparked your, your interest to then make it a, a, a full fledged company and start selling it and producing it? It was definitely my foot. I was a, um, consumer before I was, you know, uh, 
trying to sell it. And, uh, you know, with the fire department, we're not allowed to fail a drug test for cannabis. Um, we get randomly drug, drug tested three times a year, not, you know, in addition to if you get into a car accident or just your yearly physicals or anything like that. So you can be, um, drug tested five, six times a year. Um, if, if, if that's the way the chips fall. And so, you know, in addition to just all of that, I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing anything that was, um, detrimental to the people I work for, you know, the public and my coworkers. So I had, uh, I had a foot deformity that I had to correct and I had to get, um, a fusion in my left ankle. So it was, it was, they rebuilt my foot. It was very, it was a long recovery process. It was pretty painful. So, um, I didn't want to keep taking Percocet, you know, and, and even stopping yeah. it was just, you know, it sucked. I was taking it every day for, um, almost two months, you know, and, uh, oh, shit. That's a long yeah, time. it's a long time. Yeah. It was a long time. Um, I had several refills. My doctor was like trying to like, tell me like, Hey, you gotta, we have to like, like cut this down or like whatever. And it, yeah. it just, it was just a very painful surgery. Um, I couldn't walk for a long time. So and it's um, kind of like feed forward too. I mean, obviously you get some desensitization and now all of a sudden you're like dependent on the pain pills because the pain pills are making the pain worse, but you know, aren't they're making it better momentarily, but then once they wear off, it gets worse. Exactly. I felt at night that, um, you know, the pain would just start to come on all of a sudden. And my fiance was telling me, she's like, do you think this is in your head? Because you've been fine all day you know, and like Isn't you're laying weird? in bed and all of a sudden now it starts to hurt. I'm like, I really think you're right. But, but Someone I, needs to research like <sighs> nocturnal pain with injuries. Cause like, I feel like with all of them, it's all of a sudden it hits that, you know, that witching hour and you're like, yeah, ah, now it yeah. really hurts. Exactly. Um, and it That's became cool. a thing where I started queuing myself up to take them to go to sleep. You know, I was like, oh. okay, well it's, it's an hour before bed. And to the point where I remember when I had my last, I had my last Percocet in that bottle and I was like, I'm not taking this one. I was mm -hmm. like, I just want to tell myself that I can have one in the bottle and I don't need to take it because I was worried I was dependent on it, which looking back, I absolutely was. But I was like, no, I don't need to take this one. So I left it over there and go, not taking it. And then, uh, I didn't sleep for 30 hours, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, what the yeah, hell? I mean, so, you're used to having that sedation. I mean, yep. you know. Yep. You see it happen a lot too after just like even minor surgeries. You give them the bottle of hydrocodone, send them home, and uh, next thing you know, they you know they get their their little bit of overfill, and then uh, yeah. you know they get thirty pills, but they only really need it for a couple of days. And the next thing you know, they're using it for a sleep aid. Yep, and uh, it's, it's just, and it's the worst thing for your sleep, you know. And you don't realize it. I didn't know. I didn't know it would have any effect on my sleep. I, I heard all the stereotypical stuff. <laughs> Just um, you know, yeah, you know, like constipation and, you know, it was going to maybe, maybe make you feel nauseous. And I didn't get any of those things. I, I, uh, so, um, when I started researching it and understanding what CBD could do for my sleep, I was like, ah, and I'm not, um, I would consider myself like very into traditional medicine. I don't like think, you know, I'm not, I'm not blending up essential oils to try to, um, uh, you know, cure my, um, you know, auto autoimmune disease, like none of that stuff, you know, I'm very yeah. much like, you know, just kind of roll my eyes that, that kind of thing. Um, not, not, no, not for nothing to, you know, all those people that do that stuff, but I really wanted to read and understand things. And, and, um, I felt like there wasn't enough research or understanding behind those things. So I, that's my personal opinion, but with CBD, I kind of immediately put it in that same category, you know, because yeah. I was like, this is 
like the stuff you can buy at the gas station next to the fake weed and like, you know, the sexual libido stuff. And then here's, you know, the magnum pills. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) And that's kind of how I saw it. And, uh, but after reading a lot and I was like, Hey, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I should try it. And, um, you know, I kind of went down this thing and I, I'm not a businessman at all. Um, I didn't go to school for it. I, you know, I'm a firefighter first and I just, I saw this, this thing where I was trying to Google for myself, what CBD I could take that's safe for firefighters and absolutely zero, you know? So, um, honestly, I kind of rolled the dice to start, but then I felt after seeing what it did do for my sleep that I wanted to go down and, uh, deliver this for people. Um, cause I was like, we have to know about this. I mean, um, I was like, maybe it's just a one-off. Maybe it was just me. And the feedback I get from people um, all over the country is consistent and, uh, and it's, it's impressive. Like um, besides all the stuff I read, you know, in the research, but yeah. the feedback is amazing. So, um, you know, it's interesting. You know, here we are. I, yeah. You know, what's interesting is that, uh, cause I have a pretty similar view to the holistic medical type of thing. I mean, I think like, Hey, if it works, like if whatever your oil or whatever it is that you're doing works for you, then, you know, have at it. Good for you. But like, if we have the drug that we can isolate the specific chemical compound that targets an exact known target receptor target within your body, like why would we not use something that's more specific rather than just rolling the dice and seeing if we can get it along with, you know, the 15 other molecular targets that this oil is hitting. But I always viewed CBD rather than the the gas station boner pills is like more of a more of a, a specific pharmaceutical thing, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because in a lecture, you know, we actually had an entire lecture uh, in school about um, the endogenous cannabinoid system, and so perhaps I just thought about it as more of a not necessarily a specific thing, but one that you know the, the molecular targets are being isolated, and so yeah. it's a little bit more of a. Mm, maybe not like maybe not more of a specific molecule that's targeting one thing. Cause obviously as we're finding out, like it's targeting a ton of different receptors, but it's a pretty well synthesized molecule. Like yeah. itself, like we know what CBD is versus yeah. like, you know, it might have like a lot of orphan receptors, something like, you know, basically, so an orphan receptor is like, we have the compound that we know and we give it and we know it has an effect on some receptors. We just don't know what they are. And so we call them orphan receptors um, versus an orphan ligand, which is the opposite where like we know that there's some molecule being released that's acting on these receptors, but we don't know what that molecule is, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I feel like I always associate some of those holistic things with more of an orphan ligand because we don't exactly know like what the chemical compounds are that are going on in there, but we know what the target or, but we, you know, we, we know what the effects are versus CBD. I just think of it more like, it's a, it's a ligand. We know what it is. We just don't know exactly what it targets. So I don't know. That's, that's, uh, that's kind of yeah. interesting. I've read but. about, um, an orphan receptor that, that, uh, CBD targets GPR five, five, and yeah. they had mentioned, um, and I'm trying to remember what that specifically, like what mechanism of action that specifically had, but it, it was maybe, you know, uh, offhand, but I, I, uh, I remember reading about that and having to learn about what orphan receptors were. And I'm like, was this thing just hanging around waiting for an endogenous cannabinoid or CBD to come around and just like, Hey, this is what this is for. And you know, it, it, it brings up a good point. I'm like, look, the endocannabinoid system is massive. Like 
receptor yeah. for receptor. You know what I mean? It's huge. And all of the tissue and organs that it touches, um, this is stuff that we're born with. And I can't help but wonder, like, we have been living X amount of years without uh, proper uh, endocannabinoid stim- stimulation if we are supposed to be stimulating it. What What is mm-hmm. the net result of us being uh, basically endocannabinoid deficient, you know, for, mm-hmm. for that amount of time? Because the cannabis plants naturally grow freaking everywhere. Every climate, every altitude, oh, they're everywhere. Oh, I see. Ah, so I see, I see. we're and and we've made them illegal. So we've stripped them from, you know, everywhere they're. But they would be growing all over the place, you know. Sure. And so just from a from a more uh, just curious standpoint, like we've taken this thing out of our diet that probably was supposed to be there, and we have a receptor system for it that is categorically huge. It's massive. So I'm like, I'm just curious. I'm like, what? Um, because yeah, you know, I wonder what the developmental. Aspects of, I mean, you know, has it, has the ability of the receptor being available, uh, you know, has it, has it evolved to be such a way because it was consumed rather widely in the past, you know, and so it's sort of conserved throughout generations. So that way, you know, we've, we've formed it, but right. I don't know. I was thinking, Um, I was thinking of it from the other side where I have this idea or this, this thought, I guess, sometimes about the opioids where we have the endogenous opioid systems. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we have our, uh, endorphins or our encephalins that are released and, you know, exercise and pain and all that kind of stuff. And they seem to somewhat, um, you know, when you have these massive pain or these massive excitatory type of responses that then elicit the opioids, the opioids can kind of suppress it to make sure that things don't go too crazy, you know, end up with these, you know, massive excitations throughout the brain that just end up in like an epileptic type of thing. It's sort of, mm-hmm. you know, these things start to get excited and then you release the opioids and the opioids sort of put a little buffer to say, Hey, let's cool it before we get too, too excited. Yeah. So I was thinking it from, yeah. So I was thinking it more of like from a, you know, what are the stimuli that release the, um, the endocannabinoids that then, you know, what, what is the endogenous purpose of them? But with it being an exogenous plant, you know, with the with the with the actual THC from the plant, that's an interesting, also an interesting question of whether or yeah. not developmentally we've we've relied on it in the past, and so we have the receptors for it. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I mean that. I, how could we ever know? I mean, I just. <laughs> but I would I would love to see what the, you know. And and the reason I ask is because um, there are two really prominent studies that are important that stick out to me. It's, it it pertains to fire service, but I guess it could be anybody. But one is that. Um, uh, they have found that uh, the endocannabinoids or, or their, the two specifically, anandamide and 2-AG, are at their lowest endo- you know, endogenous when uh, you're in a sleep-deprived state. And they're balanced um, when you are in a rested state. And so that and there was another study uh, from 9-11 survivors – uh, where they all had, they took all 9-11 survivors that had PTSD, particularly they had um, nightmares, recurring nightmares that were ruining their their sleep. Um, they did a, this was, this wasn't a peer reviewed study. This was a uh, case study, sure. I believe. Um, but they were drawing blood and they did find that their endogenous levels of nandamide were also at an all time low, you know, mm. compared to, to, so after a trial with CBD, it was 30 days. Um, it suppressed some of their nightmares, um, and their levels of anandamide went back up. I don't know which one causes which, but I do know that um, 
you know, oh, when you when you think about like um, uh, Dr. Matt Walker, you know, the the sleep the sleep expert dude, you know, he's talking about um, every instance of mental health crises uh, is accompanied by um, you know a lack of sleep. They're all tied together. There's no diagnosed mental health problem that doesn't you know coordinate uh, correlate with lack of sleep and I'm like, okay, so we know lack of sleep and mental health problems all both have low endocannabinoid levels. I'm like, I'm really curious if, you know, just like you said, it, are, are cannabinoids supposed to be a protectant for us? Are they supposed to be, um, are they supposed to be there in case of these things happening? Or are we supposed to be supplementing them with them, you know, so that we can raise our endogenous levels of endocannabinoids? These are all questions that I do not have the answer to, but I would love to, I would love to know because I, I just, yeah. I see this system that's like huge and I see this plant that's supposed to grow everywhere, you know, and I'm just like curious. I'm like, it's, I don't know. seems, seems like it could be, you know, how to get a time machine. I'm going to go back in time <laughs> exactly. and see if they're using it. I got a list. I pulled up a list of the, uh, molecular targets of CBD before, uh, so we can make this informational for somebody. Nice. <laughs> we got, Oh God. All right, here we go. CB1, <laughs> the CB1 receptor antagonist cb1 is the one that thc normally acts on and anandamide and gives you all the fun anocannabinoids cb2 receptor which is more peripheral it's also an antagonist we got fatty acid amide hydrolase which breaks down anandamide or breaks down your natural endocannabinoid so it inhibits that which is what would raise Mm -hmm. your cbd raises your levels of endogenous uh endocannabinoids by preventing faah activity it's an antagonist to gpr55 agonist to 5ht1a that'll be a fun one serotonin partial yeah the um, partial agonist to the dopamine receptor agonist to the adenosine a1 and a2 it's an allosteric modulator to the mu opioid well that doesn't help cbd accelerates damgo dissociation oh, okay so it's a basically a so damgo is a synthetic opioid so if it's dissociates it that would make it a cbd would be a negative allosteric okay. modulator so it would block the effects of the opioids uh agonist yeah there we go we just learned it together <laughs> uh agonist to the trpv1 receptor inhibition of sodium channels could be good or bad you know if it's a if it's a puffer fish then it's bad but you know uh inhibition of l-type calcium channels agonist to ppar gamma Okay, so maybe it's not the most long list, but that's a lot of damn targets. Yeah, yeah, um, and it it uh, it's it's odd the way um, I think with 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 what I was reading and and seeing all that stuff, you know, when I uh, try to read some of these studies about how it affects, like I'll use inflammation as an example, where they they say you know it reduces um, oxidative stress. Um, they'll give you some examples, and then there's always some line in there that goes like the mechanism, the mechanism of action is still unknown. You know, yeah. like from, from a, from an ignorant standpoint, I'm like, <laughs> how the hell do they have all this stuff? And they're just like, it, it's still unknown. I mean, they just throw that out there. So I was like wondering like what else out there do we put all our faith in that still has that like unknown in there? Like, do we really know how, you know, and in my mind, I'm like, do we really know how some of these, you know, over the counter medications we're always taking like work, you know, we just take them. But if we really dug into the research, we're like, yeah, we're really not sure how it works, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of them, like, I think a lot of them, it's just like, you know, we, we understand pretty solid, like what it's going after strongly, but doesn't mean that it's the only thing that it's going. I mean, we may have not 
you know, if we, if all of a sudden we found that, that, uh, like dopamine is acting at the dopamine receptors and it binds really strongly and that's, it's, you know, proposed main target, unless we're looking for a different target, you know, there's no way to really know necessarily whether it's binding something else or not. So I wonder, you know, it's, even if you look at a lot of the drugs though, it always gives you a list of like 86 different receptors that it targets. And then it gives like the binding affinity to them. And then, you know, it's, it's one of those things like I'm doing a drug study right now looking for novel uh, reversal agents for, for opioids and some of the drugs I'm giving, you know, I'm giving stepwise increases in the concentrations in, in cells in the dish. We're not just dosing people randomly with, with drugs, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll put that disclaimer out there. It's crazy but like, in Seattle, man. Yeah. It's, yeah I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it in Seattle. <laughs> we got plenty of targets. We got plenty of, not targets. That's a bad word, but plenty of, uh, we got plenty of subjects, uh, that are OD oh, yeah. re- willing to, uh, to look sure. for yeah. treatment, but, Absolutely. but sometimes you, you know, the dose that you give of the drug in order to get the effect is so high that it's pretty much just binding like all mm. the receptors at the same time. So you really have no idea what it's actually targeting. But are you, kind of are you looking for that be- because you're, you're seeing negative effects like with Narcan or, um, not work. Well, yeah. Um, yes and no. So like for, for the, not, not to go too much in the opioids, but basically we're looking at, um, <clears throat> like with Narcan, you're just kicking the opioid off of the receptor. Um, and so that's good if you're looking to reverse the opioid effect. The problem is, is that it doesn't discriminate where it kicks the opioid off the receptor. So like the main reason you die is from respiratory suppression. Mm-hmm. And so it'd be really cool if you could just kick it off of the respiratory centers in the brainstem, but that's not how it works. And so people, as I'm sure you've experienced firsthand, people get very angry when you give them Narcan and they start swinging a lot of times. And, uh, you also get, um, acute withdrawal syndrome, which can lead to rapid death pretty bad. So the idea is to try to um, prevent the respiratory system from shutting down while preserving the effects of the opioids. Let the opioids run their course, but keep the respiratory system from shutting down. So that's that's sort of where that's at. Yeah, we start off with half a milligram. We just give very, very small amount. And I mean, we go, unfortunately, I have a narcotic overdose about every shift, sometimes multiple times a shift. So um, That's nuts. we just, we, we, we give it a lot, but if you, from our standpoint, I mean, we're not educated enough on, on, uh, some of those other things we yeah. do it because they do become violent. And also they vomit like a lot as soon as you give too much. So we try to, you know, keep the truck clean and keep the people happy. So we just give just enough. Um, sometimes we it's- just leave them kind of high, you know, as long as they're yeah. breathing. Okay. Uh, if they're awake, you know, but they get in that very sleepy state, but they'll wake up when you talk to them. For me, that's perfect. I'm like, I don't need to, you know, have them fully, you know, I don't need to take the high away. I just want them, I just want them cool and breathing in the back of the truck. So we don't have to, you know, place a breathing tube or something. So they, yeah, it's good to hear. There's kind of some science behind that. Cause that like, you know, Yes. Yeah. yeah. You want to like just enough to keep the, the keep just it enough. breathing, keep the cardiovascular system going. Like, yeah. Otherwise, it's, you're just playing pharmacist in the back of the truck. And it's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And we're doing 10 minute medicine. You know, we just want to get them there and get them like get the best <laughs> outcome for them. You know, that's what we call 10 it medicine. 10 minute medicine. You know, because we're just like, it's about 10 minutes to get to the hospital most times. Like, just, uh, just get them it's, there. It's, it's crazy to me that, you know, a lot of the, the chronic stress models looking at, you know, how chronic stress involves or uh, impacts the body has all been done on paramedics as a model of like the most, 
stressful, like consistently stressful shifts for uh, to study it. the effects of just throwing everything that you can at the body. I just know because because you guys do. I mean, for a lot of for most of it, it's twenty four hour shifts, right? Yeah. Uh, in South Florida. Yeah. Uh, most, most paramedics work for the fire department. You're yeah. working for a fire. All of our firefighters have to be paramedics and we transport too. So, you know, you, you're a firefighter, but you're also in the ambulance. So, um, you know, it, it's either that or you work in the emergency room and they do 12 hour shifts, but almost everybody down here does 24 hour shifts. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah. That's, I know that's how it was in, in Wisconsin as well. Uh, where I was, I'm not sure how it is in Seattle. Probably similar. Yeah, the Seattle Fire Department is very similar. They do have. Um, I, I want to say that the the EMS agency is the Seattle Fire Department, uh, mm. so they they transport. I don't know if they have to be firefighters, like if they're paramedics or also firefighters. But I know that yeah. um, there's a lot of Seattle firefighters that are paramedics. Yeah, ah. but Seattle is like um, for anywhere in King County, actually. So uh, if you if you go to paramedic school anywhere outside of King County, they will make you re-go to paramedic school within there because you have to graduate from uh, theirs. They take EMS very, very, very seriously, and it, almost to like I I don't want to I don't want this to sound bad because I actually respect it. It's like an ego thing. Like they're like we are the yeah. absolute best. Um, you don't I don't care where you went to medical school. You didn't go through us, so it doesn't count. You know, oh, like interesting. That kind of thing. Yeah, they're it's, very, very serious. They're really good. I wonder. Um, I, I know the drug overdoses are a lot uh, yeah. in Seattle versus the other ones. I mean, my um, if I ride the bus to work, we go down Third Avenue, which is sort of infamous for being the, the the hot zone, if you will, for overdose and stuff. And you'll see, I don't know, you know, the the classic with the with the tin foil and the 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 straw and the lighter underneath for the fentanyl. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll probably see like 20 people, maybe 15, 20 people on just on your way to work, you know, for the five minutes that you go through there. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge problem, man. I mean, it's, and it's getting scary, but, uh, you know, I figured out oh, would probably like be up and down, you know, like bath salts came and went and I'm like, it was not going anywhere. It's just getting worse. It's, uh, it's sad to see, but I think that's cool that there's research out there where you're trying to look at other stuff. You know, I just assumed we're all like nationwide, we're all in the kind of, um, the, the mode where we're just looking at how we can stop the flow of it or, mm. you know, like crack down on the illegality, you know, or, or, or I should say like how, how it gets trafficked or anything like that, which I don't think that's working at all. No, I mean, it's like, it's, it's such a good painkiller. Like it would be mm-hmm. a, it would be a shame to not utilize the pain killing effects that it has, you yeah. know, like what other drug can you take a person that just freshly woke up from surgery and it feels like their leg is being hacked at with a chainsaw and you can give them a tiny little syringe and they are good. They don't feel a thing. Yeah. Like it's magical in that sense, but yeah, I don't know. It's crazy, but yeah, no, the, the, uh, the, the first responders was sort of the, um, behavioral first, not first, but it was one of the classic models for chronic stress for, Hmm for humans and trying to see what effects chronic stress has on the body for sleep and all that kind of stuff. So you are, you're living the chronic stress model, but do you, do you see yes. over time, like when you see newer guys come in or, or newer gals come into the, the, the fire department, um, to work as a paramedic, you know, do, how, do you notice like a consistent change in behavior over time or, you know, besides the early graying 
that happens. <laughs> early graying, early wrinkling. Yeah. Um, it, you know, yes and no. I, I think it really depends. I, I will say um, it, it really depends on how busy you are and how much of a lack of sleep you get. Yeah. I think, um, you know, from from what I understand about sleep deprivation and, and chronic uh, cycles of poor sleep, your, your brain structure can change from it. You know what I mean? And it's, it's an ugly process. Um, and so, uh, I have seen people, you know, the, the mental health problem within the fire service is growing to a point where we lose more firefighters now to suicide than we do to line of duty deaths. Um, and it's, yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're starting to try to with, with trying to understand that they're, they're realizing that it's a combination of things, but one of them is a sleep issue. Um, and so what we would assume is someone who had a mental health crisis, uh, we're, we're starting to see that it's probably a combination of things. And maybe over time their, their sleep deprivation was also starting to to affect them. Um, Mm. and so, it's, it's a weird thing. Firefighters, uh, besides that suicide problem and, and having some of these other, you know, long-term effects of the job. One of our issues is that we don't talk about, um, things that are affecting us. So like, we don't want to seem weak. The, the stigma, the culture of the machismo yeah. thing is very much there. Men and women. I mean, women are just as bad as men for us. Like with this, they are like, I don't want to say anything because, uh, you know, I don't want to complain. I don't want to be made fun of, or I don't want to think they, yeah. I don't want them to think I can't do the job. And with that, you know, they suppress a lot of this other stuff. So it's like a day-to-day thing where you have to pay attention to somebody and say, Hey, you're off. I don't know what it is, but, uh, what's up, you know? So, um, it can be, you know, it can be very stressful, but it's also a place where we, uh, we're very tight. So you can de-stress sometimes, you know, if you're at work, which is good. But, well, that's what um, I was wondering because, you know, I was, it's sort of with like the, the macho Jimbro type of thing. Uh, I think I was talking about it a little bit in the last episode where um, some of the most rough and tough looking, you know, powerlifting type of environments have been almost some of the most open uh, places where people can vent a lot of times and make themselves feel better emotionally. But with the like, like what, like it, how is it balanced in the the fire department type of environment where you do have sort of that mix between, I mean, you have to, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You have to be confident and you have to be sort of a, um, emotional being, being able to emotionally separate yourself from whatever it is that you're going into. Right. Which sort of butts head with the ability to like come into terms or have a presence of your own emotions and being able to say, Hey, I, you know, this thing did affect me. Yeah. And I need somewhere to have an outlet. That's a perfect way to describe it. Because um, if I went on a call and every time I saw somebody in cardiac arrest, I just broke down into tears. Right. I would be terrible at my job. Nobody wants a firefighter or paramedic that is emotionally unstable. Like we're supposed to bring stability. Um, but the, yeah, that is, that is the hard part. And so what we started doing... Um, nationwide is we started a, it's called a peer support program and firefighters within their own agency are trained. So I'm on the peer support program for my department. So, uh, if we have a bad call or if we just notice some people are maybe having a rough time or they seem off, we are supposed to go to them. And, uh, you know, we're, I don't want to say like we're, we're trained in psychology or psychiatry. We're just trained in, in getting a response, you know, Mm. um, 
And all we're trying to do is as a colleague, allow them a space where they can talk to us in, in confidence this way. Uh, we kind of take, we disarm them a little bit because I'll tell you when you get into work, I mean, you have to psych yourself up cause they're going to harass you all day. You know, we're going to make fun of each other. There's going to be pranks. We're yeah. absolutely brutal to each other. Some of the stuff that we say to each other, like it's, it's horrible. Nothing's <laughs> off the table. It's a very dark, it's like dark humor and it's very yeah. dark humor. And it's because, and it, it, it's not like that's your first day. You know, you work with your crew for you. I've worked with my crew for years. My, yeah. my driver, I've been around him for 15 years. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's like, it's like if you were in the house with your brother or your sister, like actual brother or sister, and you know, you harass the crap out of each other. That's kind of how it is. But yeah. sometimes with that, if, if, you know, there is a lot of joking around or them making fun of you, like maybe you don't want to be the target of it. So you kind of just keep it down low. So there has to be, it's kind of on us. We created that problem. We also have to be the ones to solve it. We need to understand that we have to change gears sometimes. Mm-hmm. And be like, hey, no, I'm, I know I was messing around earlier, but seriously, if if you're not good, we got to talk because you seem off. Um, and I've had this talk many, many times. Next next week is 14 years for me on the job, and I've had this talk a lot of times where, um, you know, sometimes we see some horrible stuff, and I I'm the first person to say because I'm a company officer, and I have to tell them like, I want you to hear it from me first. Mm-hmm. It's all right if you feel like crap about this. It's all right if you're sad. It's all right if you're angry. It's all right, you know, whatever. We don't have to talk about it now, but right now you guys need to know um, everything you're feeling is completely normal. So uh, if you guys want to talk about it, fine. Um, If you don't want to talk about it, no problem. We can put on stand-up comedy on Netflix right now if you want, or we can (laughs) go train, or if somebody has to go home, we can do any one of those things. But, you know, um, people got to feel like from, I believe it's an officer's job. People have to feel from their supervisor that uh, that stuff is welcome. Otherwise, yeah, that 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 machismo thing overtakes and you have no ability to vent because you think it's not cool or it's like not welcome. So I think that's kind of the 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 solution there, in my opinion. So how do you how do you notice the the CBD working into that type of thing? Because, you know, what's interesting is it's it's an anxiolytic, right? And so like it, it reduces anxiety. Most likely, I think a lot of the studies are suggesting it might be through the 5-HT1A mm-hmm. receptor, which 5-HT1A in certain parts of the brain and postsynaptic is an inhibitory receptor. So CBD binds, it, it sort of dampens some of that neuronal excitability that might be contributing to the anxiety. In other regions, kind of interesting, it's presynaptic, not, acts as an autoreceptor. So it can actually, by by blocking it, you can, uh, or excuse me, by activating it, you can actually reduce the amount of serotonin being released. So it sort of butts head a little bit, There's the, the, the catch 22 from the, the research. But for the most part, it looks like the anti-anxiety effects are from that postsynaptic 5-HT1A receptor agonist activity. But you know what I, what I find interesting with mixing behavioral, um, observations with the molecular mechanism for neuroscience is that, you know, the inputs that you're seeing, you're still seeing the people that are dying. You're still seeing, you're still going out on calls and you're still having to emotionally uh, separate yourself from some traumatic events. And 
you know, w- w- if the inputs are still held constant, even if you have the en- in anti-anxiety on board, you're still being exposed to those things. So do you notice that it's, it changes sort of, is it something like post how you process the, the anxiety or how you process the information later? Or is it, you know, seem to have something where you see something traumatic and you say like, you know, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but it does make sense. And, uh, I think there's two important points. One is that a lot of the post-traumatic stress and, and to be clear, like PTSD is not a, a a term that we throw around lightly. PTSD is like a diagnosed medical condition and it's most firefighters are not going to get PTSD. Uh, but all of us exposed are exposed to post-traumatic stress and that's, and I think a lot of humans are, you don't have to be a first responder to get post-traumatic stress. You know, uh, if you're in a bad car accident, that's what po- you're going to have post-traumatic stress, you know, yeah. uh, seriously. So, uh, but to be, to have PTSD or what they're calling PTSI, cause it, they're considering it an injury now. Um, you know, that's, a, that, that's, that's a factor. There's, there's several factors that come into it and seeing the bad calls, um, make it, make it worse. But what we're noticing is that it's a combination of things at home and, and work sets you off. Um, uh-huh. there's usually not a case where life is a bowl of peaches and then you come to work, you see one bad call. And then all of a sudden you have PTSD. What we found way more often than not is that these people had, you know, um, marital issues, they had financial trouble, they had abuse as a child that they were dealing with, um, you know, uh, up until, you know, their adult lives. And, and, you know, some, there's, there's a lot of firefighters that, that have very traumatic pasts, you know, and that's why we kind of get into mm-hmm. this business because we, we had maybe something horrible happen and we're trying to help others. And, uh, if, if that's the case, then we're already vulnerable and susceptible to these kinds of things. So the, uh, it's complicated for that. So the inputs, yeah. the inputs could matter, but, um, it's sort uh, of like if you, it's sort of like, let's say that you have, you're taking the CBD or whatever, and it's, it's, it's helping reduce some of that basal level of anxiety that's sort of presetting whether the, the threshold as to whether or not an event is going to trigger something that, that, you know, makes I, I a would, post-traumatic response. I would wonder if that is happening. Um, but the, the research on PTSD specifically with CBD is very, very minimal. The only yeah. one I know of is that. Uh, 9-11 um, one. And, and the rest of it is they're, they're, they're looking at maybe mechanisms like how it affects anxiety, but, and, and maybe sleep. Um, because <clears throat> from everything I've learned about PTSD, you know, one of the issues is we're not getting good memory consolidation from the event. So uh, you're not processing it. And until you get consistently good REM sleep and therapy, um, but if, if you're not sleeping, you're, you're, that's when these things are, are happening. And if you're not getting good sleep, then, um, you can't properly, uh, consolidate those memories and, and just basically just book them and store them. So yeah. I, I, it could be a combination of these things, but, um, that is another side that, that needs to be looked at is what, what does the effect? Cause I, you know, I don't know if you're taking CBD and then you just have like this shield over you that, that stops you from having PTSD. It's, it's, there's, like you said, there, there could be this, um, this base effect on, on, uh, that it, it's anxiolytic effects and then maybe how it reacts with sleep. Because when, 
when I look at those things, those are researched and Mm -hmm. with PTSD, there is none. I I, I don't think there is. And, uh, there is a pharmaceutical company, the name escapes me right now, but they're in phase two trials with the FDA to, um, create a drug, uh, that's CBD and flavoring for, um, for PTSD. So, Uh um, I mean, we'll, I, I, if nothing else, we're going to get a ton of data out of it because phase two trials and phase three trials, I mean, you've seen them. That's like them yeah. doing all the, the PK stuff and then, you know, all the, that's, that's where the we get all the data. Stuff. Yes. That's the exciting <laughs> and then, stuff. Yeah. Then it goes to the last part where it's like, can it actually make money or not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we know Fair it enough. works, but. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, see all the, all the big data from CBD was done by. Uh, well, the important stuff was done by GW Pharmaceuticals, like the yeah. people that make Epidiolex, you know, for pediatric seizures. Epidiolex. Um, that was the, I was thinking in my head, like I was running, it was like Cannabidiolex, Epidiolex. Yeah. Epidiolex. It's a clever name, you know, it's like yeah. epilepsy. Yeah. But they're a uh, um, fascinating that, that's, drug. That's a CBD based drug for epilepsy treatment, right? Uh, Dravet and Lennox yeah. Gesto syndrome, yeah, for pediatric seizures. But it was really interesting because for, um, like I, I, I am always searching for conflicting information or negative information about CBD that again, I'm always worried about like me having that overconfident Dunning Kruger thing. So I'm like, all right, where's all the bad stuff? You Confirmation know? bias coming yes. through. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. It's a real thing. Right. So, um, so, uh, I was like, where's the bad stuff? So I read one that was saying the only reason based on summarizing, but the only reason, uh, Epidiolex works is because it inhibits or it basically, um, inhibits the cytochrome P450 enzyme in your liver that, uh, would metabolize, um, uh, your other seizure medications. So all the people that were given oh. epidiolex were also on seizure meds. So like, you're just yeah, increasing yeah. the strength of these other seizure meds. So they a did a hit of Valium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they did this additional trial where they stopped all seizure meds and they gave epidiolex and then, so, because uh, again, they would do these trials and they go, all right, it's a, very, very successful drug for seizures, but, um, the mechanism of action is unknown, you know, like they're yeah. that in there again. Huh. uh, but yeah, they, they did another trial and they saw that it actually, uh, it was still having the same effect even when they were off seizure meds. So it's pretty interesting. Good. Yeah. I was yeah, trying really to, interesting. I was trying to find the, the contradictory evidence for the CBD stuff because there was, you know, there was the papers that have, I, actually, I found a really good paper, which you've probably read. Let me see what the the title of it is here. Scroll, 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 scroll. Uh, a narrative review of molecular mechanism and therapeutic effect of cannabidiol, a mini review, uh, basic in clinical pharmacology and toxicology is the journal, but it, it, it has a really good, I'll post it in the show notes, but it basically, it just has like, a here's all the targets that it targets. That's where I got the list from. And then, uh, it just goes through psychotic disorder mechanisms, anxiety, epilepsy, sleep, insomnia, cardiovascular, blood pressure, diabetes, pain management, blah, 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 treatment of cancer. Ooh, just keeps going. Therapeutic and potential oh, COVID-19 and summary of, of, uh, and future research direction. So it's, has a really good article that just like sort of glosses over a little bit of the mechanisms for yeah. how it can impact some of these things. But, and I, I wonder if it's just a funding thing, but there's not a whole lot of papers that have looked at the negative effects of it yet. You know, yeah. I, even though there's certainly good evidence to suggest that, you know, it seems to be pretty beneficial for most things, yeah. um, you know, that we, that we can root back to some sort of endocannabinoid based, uh, system, but there's, there's a few, uh, I, I can think of a few offhand one, um, it could potentially increase ocular pressure. 
Um, so yeah. people who have glaucoma, which is so weird because THC lowers ocular, you know, it's, it's CBD and THC may always have this, you know, the more research I read, they're almost like a antagonist protagonist kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, they're they like do, a yin and yang. It's kind yeah, of weird. Two different sides of, uh, the CB1 and CB2 receptors. Uh, one is sedating. The other one can promote wakefulness. I mean, it's like, it, it's very interesting. Um, and, uh, CBD doesn't seem to be sedative, um, you know, so, uh, so, you know, when I, when I'm, when I'm reading that and I'm looking at it, yeah, I saw there was a, um, increased ocular pressure. There was one that it could potentially, uh, cause liver damage in some people. Um, right. you know, it does have that, it does have that effect of inhibiting the cytochrome P450 enzyme. So, you know, giving, when you ask doctors and, and they'll, they'll, they'll say that's their biggest concern with CBD is, if you're taking prescription medication, you got to let them know because we have mm. the, there was like, if I remember correctly, I'd, I'd, I'd have to look it up. It's anywhere between 40 and 60% of prescription medication are affected by that enzyme, but it's a lot, uh-huh. you know? Uh, yeah. so, it's you know, like if you're taking exactly say they put in yeah. the same category as like grapefruit. So you have to be careful with it. But, um, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I, I I'm on the phone occasionally. Uh, I don't want to make it seem like we're buddies, but Dr. Vandry from uh, the Johns Hopkins Cannabis Science Lab, um, he's been really, really helpful in his team at the can- Cannabis Science Lab. And I just kind of like, I nerd out because I've read their papers before and I emailed them just saying like, I've emailed a lot of people and I'm like, hey, I'd love to get on the phone and talk. And this guy just picked up the phone. I mean, it was awesome. I was, um, I was impressed when I, even when you sent me the message, I was like, this guy's looking for some information. That's pretty cool. Most yeah. people like, and I think most people Always. don't realize that like, if you, if you see something cool on a research article, like the emails are there, go ahead. I know. Like, uh, they want to yeah. talk to people. Yeah. And they're just like stuck in a lab. Yeah. I, I, t- I told him, I'm like, Hey, I love the work. I really, but I have a lot of questions and, um, you know, when I asked, when I asked him, I'm like, Hey, so. I want to make sure that this stuff is safe for the job, you know, for firefighters and, and blah, blah, blah. Cause he actually has a study that says CBD isolated does not cause a failed drug test, you know? Hmm. Um, and it was the only time I've ever seen it. He's like pretty much the only study that ever said it, you know, but, um, they had, uh, they had gone over about his biggest concerns, um, with the industry is exactly that. He said, I, 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 it, it, it bothers him that, um, people say that it's safe. It's, it's not safe for everybody. If you're, mm-hmm. especially on prescription medication, um, if you do have any kind of liver issue, you should have your blood drawn, you know, regularly while you're taking it, let your doc know and make sure that, you know, this isn't something, um, that is affecting your liver enzymes. I mean, I have my blood drawn regularly. Um, CB, I've taken CBD twice a day for years. I've never had any issue, but that's my case is not the same for everybody. So, you know, it is something you do have to pay attention to. I, I will say there was a study, it was the university of Louisville. It's, uh, the only study that showed CBD caused liver damage. They were giving like in rats three, or in humans, rats, 300 uh, milligrams per kilogram to rats. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot. Like, I think, I think rats and mice metabolize it a little bit different than humans do. When I read follow up on that, there were a, uh, I mean, it was peer reviewed, but a lot of people mm-hmm. just wrecked that paper. You know, they, they were, <laughs> they, they were like, this is not applicable. They were like human, a human would basically have to drink a two liter bottle of CBD to do, yeah. uh, to, to cause that same damage. And, uh, you know, it, it's so, so, it, you know, 
This but, is me defending it, even though I've never taken CBD, but, but my dog takes it every day. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, and there is some research for dogs too. I mean, but that's the thing is like, one of my favorite things to do when people call and ask is I'd like to tell them what it doesn't do, you know, yeah. because I think it validates like, you know, I, I see so much stuff where like, yeah, it, uh, it's antibacterial and it'll, uh, it'll cure cancer. And it, you know, you're just like, Hey man, I know there's, <laughs> yeah, I know it has like a lot of, uh, you know, um, potential benefits cause there's all this other research, but yeah. like, we listen, I just, I just want to talk about what it, what it does do. Like I'm very forward. CBD is not good for pain relief. They've yeah. proven that time and again. Um, you know, no, and that's why, I, good for that's why relief. I love CBD when, when you, when I heard you speak that one time, I loved it because it was like, you're very honest in saying, listen, if you have these issues, if you're having sleep deprivation, if you're having, you know, anxiety type of things like, Hey, it can, it can, it might be able to help you. Like we've seen a lot of people have beneficial results from it. Is it magic? No, it's a compound, you know, that can have these effects, which is especially, you know, from, from running the company. I think that's like, from a scientist perspective, I think it's fantastic to say, you know, have that sort of real world understanding of a molecule and not just sitting up and saying, this is the new cure for everything. Yeah. Well, I think that's a quick way of losing trust, you know, and, we're firefighters. Like we're skeptical. Like a lot of people are, a lot of our, I think that's any like, you know, blue collar, like trade worker in general, like they're very yeah. skeptical people, you know, they might be a little cynical. And and so, you know, I, I would be out of business really quick. I, I was like, <laughs> there's no way, you know, if I go touting this thing and, and, uh, and, and even still, you know, like a lot of people that have sleep issues, they'll take it and it may not work for them. Sleep is such a complicated thing. You know what I mean? You can't possibly say CBD is going to help everybody. That's, that there, there, there's no way. I mean, um, what if these people have a melatonin deficiency, they have like a gland problem, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's a totally different issue. Or, you know, if they do have, um, uh, uh, PTSD, you know, and, and maybe they need therapy more than they need compounds of stuff, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I feel like, um, I'm going to always try to do that and, and just be very forward and, and, uh, if, if there's, uh, you know, I'm very curious as to what the negatives are, you know, we could next year, we could find out that, you know, this stuff, um, you know, makes all your hair fall out and then I'm out of business, you know, like, uh, that, that'll be, that'll be it. I, I, I no You're running the GQ cover. It's going to be gone. Then. You're going to have to get those plugs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I will say, even if your hair was falling out from this stuff, I know a lot of firefighters that still take it. If it was getting good sleep, they're like, worth it, bring it. Let's go. I'll get hair plugs. I mean, isn't, isn't part of being a firefighter knowing that in your back pocket, like you could be a cover model. Isn't that part of the, uh, the job? Yeah. I think, I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of people would be really um, upset, you know, if they like a lot of a lot of like females would probably be upset if they saw what firefighters actually look like, you know. Like always, <laughs> it's just the the cover ones that you send out. It's yeah, just the, the, yeah, the, it's not a good representation of us to no. open up the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carrying the axe it. when it's just like a fire alarm going off. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. You nailed it. <laughs> it's fine. What is the what is the mechanism for the sleep thing? Do you know the how? how CBD helps sleep. It's really is interesting. Through, is it through the endogenous cannabinoid? Modulation? Uh, so there's, there's this, the sleep thing is not well understood. Um, yeah. and the, the exact mechanism of action unknown, but I, I really like, um, Matt Walker is a, a sleep expert and he was featured on, uh, Andrew Huberman's podcast. Um, you know, so Huberman lab, he did an episode with him and they go really deep into it. And, um, it, 
from 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 Matt Walker's research, um, it slightly lowers body temperature, and okay. which is really important for sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, the effect on fear and anxiety, um, you know, obviously people uh, ruminate a lot before they go to bed. I see. But yeah. even more than that, for whatever reason, um, in rats, it was noticed that they um, uh, have longer REM periods. And it was decreasing sleep latency. So, you know, people are falling asleep faster. But in smaller doses, it increases uh, wakefulness during the day. So kind of cool. Well, that's what um, I was wondering. It's like, yeah, you can um, do both. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is, you know, as far as like why people are getting into REM sleep and sleeping for longer, there are human trial, uh, human, uh, there, there's, there's research on humans as well, where, you know, the total time of REM sleep was increased REM and non-REM. Um, but yeah, they, they, uh, they're not hundred percent sure. And, uh, I would love to see, you know, a lot of that I've, I've done more of the reading on sleep than anything else. And, uh, yeah. there's like, it's all generally pointing in the same direction, but nobody has found that like one pathway that's saying this is it. Um, yeah. Here is saying that by inhibiting the FAAH enzyme, you mm-hmm. increase the endogenous, uh, endocannabinoids which then can increase the amount of time in REM and blah blah blah. but I, I love the 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 last sentence here it says furthermore cbd is a promiscuous molecule that exhibits activity on a wide array of molecular targets beyond cb1 and cb2 such as gaba a receptors which also influence sleep so it's like eh could be doing this but yeah i, I love the way i remember reading that and it says promiscuous i was like i've never Right, the word promiscuous the in any other thing, you know, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, the drugs promiscuous it. all the time. Promiscuous, that's funny. <laughs> I was like, not how a firefighter would use that word. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, that's the uh, the scientists getting all rowdy, you know. Yeah, yeah, promiscuous exactly. molecules <laughs> t- targeting yeah. multiple receptors, but maybe that's it. Maybe it's not one thing, maybe it's a combination of things, you know. Yeah, um, that's usually how it works. But, you know, with sleep, though, you can Google sleep and and then insert whatever compound or vitamin and you're going to find something. You know what I mean? Um, Because I believe I very firmly believe everything throughout your day affects sleep. You know Um, what you're eating will affect sleep. What time you eat will affect your sleep. The daylight uh, in your eyes the first thing in the morning as well as twilight affects your sleep. You know, like all these things are well known. Uh, So, of course, you know, you know, if you, if you Google, um, you know, vitamin C and sleep, it's going to come up. If you Google CBD and sleep versus, you know, uh, fasting and sleep, like you're going to get all this information, you know? So, um, do you, you know, notice like with, with taking CBD for sleep, uh, I'll, I'll say sleep aid, that's probably a safe way to say, it. I'm not saying like it's a sleep drug or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it certainly seems to help promote people to sleep and, and to sleep better. Do you notice like with, um, with being on being as a firefighter where you're being woken up in the middle of the night, do you notice that it changes? Like I could imagine if you gave someone ambient and you know, to get them to go to sleep and all of a sudden you get a call in the middle of the night, there's no way they're running and sliding down that pole. Yeah. And, uh, it's not going to happen. But do you notice like when you wake up, does it just feel like normal or? Yeah. Just feel normal. There's no, yeah. And, and uh, the, the, the two, the two most common pieces of feedback I get from, from people. I mean, I'm telling you all over the country, they don't know each other. Um, they have no problem waking up and their dreams are extremely vivid. 
Um, this <laughs> for better is, or worse. <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah. it could actually, it could be worse. It's like, um, I always have bad dreams. I always have before, even before I was a firefighter. Uh, yeah. They don't like bother me or anything, but, you know, my dreams are always like, um, I don't know, not nightmares, I guess, but they're always bad dreams. And so uh, when I started taking CBD, I was like, oh, shit, here we go. You know, this is going to be. <laughs> Uh, so they just became more vivid, but I didn't have like yeah. terrifying, you know, whatever else. But, um, everybody always asks me, you know, Hey, why am I having really vivid dreams? And forever yeah. I would have to say like, I have no idea. I experienced the same thing. Everybody keeps telling me the same thing. And, uh, I was, I was reading that, um, or I was listening to that podcast where Matt Walker was talking about it and he brought it up and he was uh, explaining, um, which is, I would imagine for what you're researching, it's probably the same thing when people have a, yeah. a deficit in REM after they've been taking an opiate for a long time and they stop it. Their dreams go crazy after it's like their body's trying to make up for the REM deficit. Even though you can't, your body has this uh, deep sleep state where your dreams go through the roof. So um, I thought that was interesting and it maybe offers some explanation to it. While I don't think there's a direct study on it because um, I've tried to find them, you know, yeah. and I found everything pretty funny, but I found everything from, uh, you know, just people giving their opinion all the way to like a blog from this religious website saying that <laughs> CBD is from the devil and that, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not kidding. This was the so devil's good. Grass. <laughs> I read every word of this thing. It was so awesome. It was talking about how, uh, taking CBD basically allows Satan to go into your brain and that's why you have all these bad dreams. And I was like, holy crap, this is, I could, you could not make this. Up. I mean, this we can't so rule good. it out. <laughs> can't rule it out. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything's possible. Yep. Absolutely. Is there, is there a, um, what else? What I wanted to ask too uh, was, uh, what's the best way? To, so basically, not a physiological dependence, but more of like a behavioral dependence that might be formed, such that you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm you know, I, I think it's fascinating with seeing the things that come up with you know either um, cold exposure therapy or ice baths or sauna or anything like that. You know, you hear it being touted as some new elixir to living forever and being some metahuman. <laughs> If you just sit in some ice for two minutes a day, but you know, but, uh, and you know, we conveniently forget about the, uh, the cardiovascular effects that it can have <laughs> for high risk population, but we're just going to go, yeah, no, you know, cool. we'll, we'll market it towards the the benefits. Why not? You know, let's not sure. be skeptical scientists, yeah. but, um, you know, one of the things that I find interesting though, is what's often overlooked in the fact that it may, you know, let's say have an increase in dopamine X percent for X amount of hours and it might make you feel better. But you've now sort of created the state where, you know, the people are saying, if I don't do this certain activity in the morning, yeah. now I feel terrible, you know, because yeah. I'm so used to having this big dopamine rush and I'm so used to having this <gasps> shocking experience. And I, I take it back and I say, maybe we need to look at it and say, like, this can be good and it can have this effect. And if you're diligent and you're able to do it every single day, sure, it might be great. But if all of a sudden when you don't have it, now you feel worse because you don't, you're so used to being at this, you know, running on revving all the way up into red at all times. Yeah. You know, you've, you've created a behavioral dependency and even maybe it's physiological or maybe it's not, but either way, you're still having the same effect. And do you notice like, with the CBD, is there, I mean, cause when I was trying to look at it, it seemed like it was 
not as much. You sort of just go back to normal. I didn't see a whole lot of like desensitization type of things happening. Or is this, do you notice like if you forget to take the CBD today, oh my gosh, I feel like a little bit more anxious than I did before. Yeah, I don't take it for anxiety. Um, I generally am not an anxious person. Um, I, I have I have had a lot of customer feedback about, uh, this is totally anecdotal, obviously, but a lot of customer feedback about um, them really not wanting to run out. Mm-hmm. And part of me, you know, was asking them, you know, or I'm asking in my head, like, is this, you know, almost a placebo effect or is this your, cause, cause cannabinoids will last days in your system, weeks in your system, you know, their therapeutic level should be from every PK study I've seen should be pretty high. Like if you're, if you're saturated with it, you shouldn't have to take it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, in their case, it might be something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, because from besides it saturating, you know, and, and it's, it's fat soluble, like, you know, it'll stick around. Um, besides that, I, I, I don't see from what I've read, I don't see a huge dopamine release with CBD. You know, there isn't, um, I know it does affect it a little bit, but I, yeah. I, I don't think there's that side of it where it's, um, like stimulating that reward system to make it addictive. So if there is a side to it where they need it, I've, it's probably just more habit or almost, right. almost like I don't want to use or placebo, but yeah, I think, I think you might be right. And that is, I mean, and that could be possible with drinking orange juice in the morning, you know, like that's right. Uh, that's coffee, what I mean. Like, you know? like absolutely. <laughs> whether it be your absolutely. coffee in the morning or your ice bath or what, you know, Definitely. whether I mean, you're still forming a behavioral dependency and whether, yes. whether that's good or bad is, is totally up to you. But yeah, you know, I don't know too many people that feel great when they don't have their morning coffee. Yeah. I, you know, and, and the, um, the, the side that I would be very curious about is how it affects um, that 5-HT receptor. That to me is just mm. as interesting as the sleep side because there is study after study after study that talks about that effect on that receptor. And, you know, serotonin isn't benign. Like we don't want to mess with that too much. But, you know, from everybody thinks of serotonin as like, it, it's almost like a household word, you know, they're like, you see, you go on Instagram and you see like a bunch of golden retrievers, like, Hey, here's your serotonin dump for the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it makes you feel yeah. like a nice hormone, even anandamide as our, as the endogenous, you know, cannabinoid, as, that's the bliss hormone. It literally means bliss, you know, ananda. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, um, what is it, what, what could be, uh, there that's dangerous if, if we're taking a lot of it or if it's, you know, not that we're taking high doses of CBD with rescue mm-hmm. one or like whatever else, but is there something dangerous to that? Because, um, you know, you don't want to mess with your, uh, depression and anxiety medication. And those are SSRIs, you know, um, not that the mechanism of action is exactly the same, but you're messing with five HT receptors, you know, those can be dangerous. Um, or also do they do uh, anxiety and depression meds even work the way that they thought they did? You know, recently, wasn't it recently they were talking about how, yeah. um, they have like the serotonin receptors have no effect on it, you know, or, or it's, you know, and they're like, what we've been giving these out for decades. Like what are you talking <laughs> like about? Isolated it. And they're like, oh, well, uh, maybe it's well, not all back to the serotonin. <laughs> drawing board. You know, I mean, but it's the same thing. Like anxiety medication works for most people. Right. And it, it's, I don't know. Um, so there's always like these unknown unknowns for me where I'm, yeah. I'm like, I can't, I, I just wish there was more research, but we've, we've shot ourselves in the foot, you know, when we made it, when we made the cannabis plant illegal, because it's very difficult for an institution to, to study it um, yeah. without going through all the red tape. You know, it's not like trying to study 
I keep using vitamin C, but like it's, it's you know, it's not like studying vitamin C, right? Like just go get yeah. it. Um, there has to be regulations for it. So a little trickier. I don't even know. I'm going to look it up right now. I don't even know if we can, I, I bet you can order it. Well, yeah, you can there's... order CBD from, uh, yeah. um, uh, what am I trying to say from our, basically like our, our supplier where we get a lot of our drugs from to test. Yeah. I know of a few, um, really big, they're pharmaceutical THC. grade. That's what they call it. But yeah, they sell it. They sell the isolated, uh, they sell it isolate and distillate and whatever else. But yeah, it looks like you can cool contract. Looks like you can order THC. Eh, I don't know. I don't see <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I don't see anything that says like it's a regulated substance that you don't need, but yeah, even maybe. THC now is so much easier to, to probably get, but, um, yeah. you know, with, with how it was before 2018, you couldn't just get a bunch of hemp. It was considered marijuana, you know, um, hemp, there was no differentiation. They, they, they literally made them the same thing. The same thing you make rope and clothes with. I was going to say, they're considering, like- <laughs> you know, what the Mexican cartel is smuggling over the border. You're like, these are not, these are not the same like the, thing. Like the hemp seeds for like a cereal additive in the yeah, natural foods. That, that, exactly right. You know, you're like, that's not marijuana, man. You know? And uh, so it, it was just, it honestly, I don't think that was ever their intention. It was just a legal loophole. And, uh, you know, when I started reading about why the marijuana plant was illegal and you get into you know, the, the, the controlled substances act and, and how it was all this other stuff with William Randolph Hearst, who was like the guy who the big newspaper guy and was trying to, Mm. you know, stop the hemp industry from, you know, uh, growing because he owned all the, the lumber and, you know, there was all these like conflicting things Uh, and like all this, like, like argument arguments about, um, you know, big business trying to, to suppress it and all that stuff. So maybe it was, but in general, they, they saw the uh, utility of it, um, uh, they they weren't they weren't trying to make hemp and cannabis like illegal together. They just said cannabis, you know, and they threw that out there that cannabis products are illegal. So uh, we're kind of running into that now with fire departments all over the country. So you know, fire departments and their like rules and regulations for the department will say you can't use a cannabis product, you know, and their guys and girls are like, mm. hey, CBD is not cannabis, you know, right? Um, well, that's why it's like. <laughs> So, so they're like in this really weird legal gray area where they go to a lawyer yeah. and they're like, Hey, CBD is not cannabis, you know? And, uh, the state law will like in my state of Florida, it very specifically states, um, hemp is no longer to be considered cannabis. That term is exclusively used as an alias to marijuana. So there's Senate bill 1020 writes it out. You know, it's like very, very black and white. Uh, not every state does that. So they're kind of in a gray area in my state. It's like very understood. Um, so, so is, is CBD, is it legal? Like, uh, let's say you take a blood test and CBD does come up obviously in Florida, that's fine. As long as there's no THC, right. Um, is that nationwide or is that still statewide or is it still state dependent nationwide? It's, it's legal. The, the, um, like I thought the, the issue is always going to be until we find really good testing for marijuana to prove intoxication. Um, the issue is from, in my opinion, is always going to be that, uh, people are going to blame a failed drug test on CBD when they're using marijuana, or at least that's what the organization thinks that they're doing. So they're Um, saying like, Hey, you know, we don't want to allow CBD, not because we're afraid of CBD. We don't want to allow CBD knowing this is an unregulated industry and there's THC in this stuff. Somebody takes a drug test 
they've been smoking marijuana for weeks. They they're high right now. They fail this drug test and they're like, nope, it's uh, it's from CBD. You allowed it, and there's THC in there, so you know I can take this. And yeah, you know, they they they're trying to not open up a loophole that creates a headache for themselves. Uh, um, is it is it tough with the rescue one CBD to? I mean, because because one of the big things is that you have zero percent THC. Is it tough to regulate that? Yeah. Um, you, like from an industry or you're saying like in my business, like, like in your, like in your business, like from like you making sure that the THC or excuse me, you making sure that the CBD is actually THC free, yeah. given that all of the other production processes in it are less stringently yeah. regulated. It's really tough. Um, the, the manufacturing process has to be two and sometimes three times longer than um, everyone else. Nobody wants to make it like that. I have, I've flown around the country and tried to meet with and basically beg people to make it to this level. And they basically told me no. And I'm like, could you, you know, this was when I was like getting started. I'm like, yeah, but could you? And uh, I had people say like, yeah, but there's such a diminishing return on that. It'll be so expensive. I'm like, could you just tell me what it'll cost? You know, like make me a (laughs) kilogram of isolate that's like, down to the our 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 standard is zero point zero 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 percent um in our in the isolate you know so that's you know when you're measuring it's molecular it, grid uh, yeah it's crazy crazy low uh the industry standard is point zero two percent thc in the isolate i could but i could you, i could order yours and use it in the lab and it would be lab grade <laughs> that's that's exactly what I want. But getting to that level and having people buy into the mission and, and go through that is tough. But we still act with a sense of distrust. So once we have the isolate um, formulated, um, I send out the, the isolate to be tested because they send me a certificate of analysis as well. So I send it out to my own lab. That's third party. I see if they match up. If those two are good, we will formulate it. We'll make it into the tinctures. And then I test it again. Um, so I send the tincture out and one, I have to make sure that, uh, I got the, the math right so that the bottle actually has a thousand milligrams in it. Um, and two, I want, uh, I want a COA, I want a certificate of analysis for the finished product, not for the isolate I just made. So overseeing the batch directly and getting it lab tested four times before it gets sent out. Um, we throw a QR code on there so people can scan it and see. And then on top of that, we send an at-home urinalysis drug test with each order. So people can take uh, a urinalysis at home and we tell them to do it five days after because that's when the detection window starts ah, to come up. So that's a good idea. take it five days after and we have instructions with it. And uh, obviously there's false positives and stuff sometimes. Um, those things have a range, but we always just send them another one and we tell them false positives are possible, send them another one and they, you know, they take it and pass. But um Years doing it, thousands of firefighters, zero fail drug tests. Um, super proud of it, but it's because of all of the legwork on the front end. You know, it. it uh, I I didn't know any of this stuff. I had to learn all this stuff. You know, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I don't want to scare my customers and tell them I'm winging it, but I'm very forward with them. We're like, I had, I didn't know all this stuff. I had to learn about this. I had to learn about CBD. You're more knowledgeable about, about this stuff process. than most scientists are. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know about that, but I, I've read, you know, I've I read and I'm that. trying to study, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to study about it. You know, like I, I, when I say I read every day, I read every day, I read every single day about it. And, uh, if there's, you know, um, I, uh, subscribe to academia, I, I, you know, freaking Google alert for cannabidiol and hemp. And I'm, if there's a news article about somebody doing something new, I want to know about it. And, 
Um, you know, I believe it's a really big deal. I think for the fire service, you know, we're going to look back one day. I posted this, I've reposted this on Instagram the other day, but somebody, one of the pages I follow said, we're going to look back one day on the fire service with sleep deprivation and see that it was similar to the NFL with concussions, you know? Mm. And I think in the same way where they look back and they go, we just had no idea how bad it was, you know, like people get concussions, you know, um, we're going to do the same thing with sleep where all the sleep. And I guess you can tie in that chronic stress, like you were talking about the physiological impacts over a 30 year career of horrible sleep. Um, you know, in 14 years, I have never had consistent sleep, you know, like a normal sleep cycle. I would go on vacation, you know, maybe take a couple weeks off. And uh, I, I don't know what everybody else is doing on vacation, but I'm not getting good sleep on my vacations. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. probably drinking and like going and, you know, hanging out and recovering from your vacation and, usually. Yeah. So, but even two weeks, that's not long enough. So, uh, you know, you, you, you know, it shouldn't be all doom and gloom. Like we can recover off duty. You know, there's, there's ways to take care of your sleep and take care of yourself off duty. But, uh, for the most part, you know, it is an interrupted sleep cycle for a whole career. So, um, you know, I just want to do what I can. If this is something that helps, which it seems like it really does. And there's some research to point in that direction. I want to do it, you know, because I think sleep is probably the the biggest thing that contributes to our, the lack of longevity in our careers. We've gotten really good about stopping carcinogens from getting into us. We do a really good job of decontamination after we always wear our masks now where we never used to, you know, um, and I think we're becoming healthier food wise. Like, you know, the fit firefighter is, an actual thing now, you know, in the eighties, like nobody was going to CrossFit. Nobody, they're eating pasta three times a day. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're not, um, they weren't really taking care of themselves. And now nutrition firehouse is a big part spaghetti of pot. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, I'm still all about it, you know, but I just, I'm very much like a everything in moderation kind of guy, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to just hoping to increase longevity a little bit. If this is something that does that, then it's pretty killer, but I just love, uh, I love what I'm doing with it so far. And I love the feedback we're getting. It feels like I'm really helping people. Yeah. Well, from what everything that I see, I'm pretty bullish on it as of right now, but awesome. <laughs> yeah. That makes me feel good. You know, I, I, uh, That's, it, and I still owe you some studies. I know I, I was, uh, I wanted to look cause CBD, like the fact that it antagonizes the opioids is like, that's exactly what I'm looking for is like novel ways to modulate the opioid response. And so I'm interested in that. So like the only thing I've ever read is that with full spectrum CBD, which is like, you know, the whole hemp plant with THC and all the other terpenes and all these other things that it did happen to, um, uh, like there was a, a terpene called myrcene and it's in mangoes, um, and in hops and, uh, um, it binds to opiate receptors. Uh, no shit, huh? Yeah. To the point where there's actually a study. I gotta try to find it, but there's a study where they, they dosed people up with pure mercine and they gave Narcan and Narcan actually removed the mercine out of the, the opiate receptors. Oh, weird. Uh, yeah. So I was like, Hey, I wonder in just curiosity, I was like, Hey, I wonder if they like would do the, use this instead of, you know, like methadone or suboxone or something like, you know, yeah. maybe I don't, I don't even know, huh. like, but, but that's just a terpene that's found very commonly in hops and mangoes and stuff. A lot of even, weird stuff even, uh, isn't it like black pepper stimulates endogenous cannabinoid release or something like yep. that? That's right. <laughs> black pepper and, um, dark chocolate, like cacao. Oh, uh, right. yeah. Yeah. Dark pepper chocolate. chocolate. 
<laughs> get that pepper Somebody jerk, will do get it. Some, some chocolate on the road. You're just going to new be, market opening up. Hi, driving down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. All right, John. It's been almost like an hour and a half. This thing flew by. Yeah, man, episode. this is great. Um, I never get to go this in depth on this stuff, and I <laughs> love talking about it. And my fiance is going to go freaking crazy if I talk to her about <laughs> another study that I saw or like whatever. So this is almost like therapy for me because whenever I'm going on podcasts or whatever else, you know, people have to um, people have to ask like I'm explaining, you know, to to people who've never heard of CBD before and don't have any kind yeah. of background. So using things like um, negative allosteric modulator is not exactly the, the, the riveting conversation that my audience wants to listen to. So this has been really cool. I, leave I it, really, really I leave appreciate it. Wide it. open. If, if yes. someone wants to dive into the molecular yes. targets of some biochemical yeah. synthetic pathway, go for it. If and you on that, about. thank you for bringing it down to me so that we can talk. Cause I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, like talking, I found that it's sort of like if you, simplify everything like so much that some people love it and it sells really well if you go so in depth that people almost like it you know so the two most popular episodes are the ones that you go like super in depth because they come along and they're you know they're learning along the way they might not know everything but they're at least immersing themselves sort of that um sort of that uh diffusion kind of uh learning style where at least if you're in the environment you're going to get some of it yeah. And then uh, it's sort of like that middle ground that seems to be like the worst performing ones where it's like you're trying to simplify things, but you don't simplify it enough. And then yeah. and they come back and they're like, yeah, that was so wrong. Like, Go all in one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, you know, long form is good, man. People like listening to podcasts. I like long podcasts. You know, I want to listen yeah. to a while, for a while. So, um, but no, this is, again, man, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me and for, um, you know, just, just, uh, yeah, indulging some of the other studies that probably, um, you know, either are not well done enough yet or are about to come around that, uh, you know, could show some, some more credence to this stuff. So I think it's yeah. something new and it's, it's going to keep coming around. So pretty cool. And thank you for looking out for your fellow firefighters, first Appreciate responders. It. All of the uh, all of those in the enforcement type of of business, yeah. Certainly, it. they can use some help. I have plenty of family that are uh, doing police officer stuff, so I certainly oh, nice. see uh, that side of the world. That's for sure. But yeah, 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 man. And, yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So with that, www.theneuronetwork.org, uh, Apple's podcasts spotify although if you're listening to us right now you've probably already found it so rate it give us a review all that kind of stuff it truly does help and uh with that have a good week